I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico I mean, there's nothing about that piece of music that doesn't just make you happy, is there? <laughs> it, it, it is summery, it's it's cheesy, it's it's everything that I need at this time on a Saturday morning, and um, I'm, I'm especially happy because it means I get to say good morning to our man in Mexico, John Bonfilio. I, I should be saying good evening to you, shouldn't I, because of the time difference? Good evening. We should just play that music on loop, I think, throughout <laughs> most of the show. Uh, well, it would certainly be better than anything I'm churning out. That's that's for absolutely certain. Uh, John, I, I heard a scurrilous rumour uh, just now from my producer, Jeb. We're talking uh, all things hashtag Shoppers Film Club and Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Uh, not a thing in Mexico, I'm reliably informed. You don't do Black Friday down there. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist anywhere in, in Latin America. Thanks be to the good, uh, you know, to the good figure up in the sky. Now, here, we, here mid-November, there's a thing called El Buen Fin, which is like, uh, I guess it translates to... You know, the great weekend, and uh, that's now extended into a week, and there's various different offers and so on. But actually, one of the joys of, uh, of, of being in Latin America and in Mexico is that, yeah, look, there is commercialism. Where, where isn't there globally? But it's definitely not, you know, anywhere near the same as it is in uh, in the U.S. And, and the U.K. And, yeah, Black Friday is, is looked on, is watched by people here with a kind of, you know, almost through those, you know, uh, um, hands behind a sofa, kind of Doctor Who-ish way. Yeah. Like, what on earth is going on up there? Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I sort of sighed, I, I, almost distressed this morning, really, when I was doing some Christmas shopping on my laptop, and uh, my wife said, what's wrong? And I said, well, it kind of takes the magic out a little bit when you're doing your Christmas shopping in about three clicks. I remember the days when I used to have to dash into the, the Peacock shopping centre in Woken at quarter to five on Christmas Eve and just grab whatever was left. You know, there was a magic about it, you know, panic buying, actually physically being in a shop and you know actually having to do it it does take away a little bit of the magic when you are doing it online and you know falling for all these sort of various gimmicks which is exactly what they are but hey what do i know i'm, I'm old and boring now uh, no such old and boring news in mexico though or indeed honduras because the presidential election uh, takes place takes place this weekend a really big deal on sunday it is a really big deal and i guess a lot of listeners will think you know what on earth does Honduras and the Honduras presidential election have to do with, with me? Because it's a small country in Central America and generally gets, you know, fairly bad press. But actually, I think it's really interesting because it is one of, you know, we talk about climate change a lot and the world is, is aware. COP26 has just finished and so on, um, that, that, that it's a big thing, whichever way you want to look at it. And uh, Central America has uh, a lot of climate change refugees already in in motion have been for the last few years and that is damaging re not just regional stability but is also affecting north america more generally in particular as regards u.s migrant policy and whatever u.s migrant policy is developed uh you know in any given year month or year or whatever basically affects global migrant policy so you know the small things that take place in the in the likes of honduras actually have a, a much bigger part to to play and this presidential election is is key because, I mean, there's so much hanging over this and there's so much to, to unpick, but I'll just give you a little bit of a summary. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the basic issues there are unemployment, corruption, poverty, COVID, obviously, you know, economy and violence and so on, a lot of the big you know, push factors. But a lot, but most of the figures that are actually involved in this uh, uh, presidential election, which is a you know one-stop shop to pick your president on Sunday, it doesn't go any further, whoever wins, wins, are riven with, are tainted with corruption uh, scandals. The National Party... 
uh, guy Nazari Tito Asfura uh, was you know, implicated in the Pandora Papers. Uh, the guy he's he's hoping to replace Juan Orlando Hernandez has been implicated also in the U.S. on uh, on drugs trafficking offenses. His brother Tony Hernandez is currently doing life in prison. Wow. And not the third place candidate Yanni Rosenthal has actually only been able to run because he's just been released from three months from three years in prison. Sorry, for for money laundering charges in in the U.S. and and so on. So the other flip side of of this in in Honduras is that you know the the cartels and um, you know, and, and, and I guess kind of drugs moving through Honduras is, is a massive situation which affects the entire country as well and, and, and the region. Uh, so, you know, again, what affects that one microcosm of space in Central America, which appears to be meaningless, is actually a much greater signifier to the broader whole of the issues, you know, the endemic systemic issues which affect Latin America more broadly. Yeah, I think even more, um, what further afield than that, Europe. Yeah, you, you can certainly see uh, ripple, the ripple effect and parallels, and certainly a lot of things that could be drawn between Honduras and some of the things that we see going on a little bit closer to home. But uh, in slightly more random news, John, um, a, a mine has been stopped in Ecuador, not by a superhero, uh, not by a bomb squad, but by an extinct frog. It says here. Could you please explain that for me? Latin America does a great little, you know, uh, side angle in strange little stories. And yeah, yeah. So this extinct, the long-nosed harlequin frog, Atlopus longirostris, has actually stopped the, uh, a copper mine, an open cast copper mine in the cloud forests of Ecuador from, from going ahead. Turns out that this long-nosed harlequin frog isn't in fact extinct after all. And oh. researchers have found a few examples of, yeah. And, and because the cloud forests of Ecuador are such, you know, such, um, incredible hotbeds for biodiversity. In fact, you know, one researcher in the last couple of days regarded it as a, referred to it as a frog arc, um, regionally. It's meant that, uh, that actually the, the development of this, this copper mine could actually, um, you know, wipe out the, the, the last remaining examples of this frog and various other amphibians regionally. So, um, so th- this, this mine has been stopped in its tracks, in its tracks. I guess more re, more importantly, you know, looking at Ecuador and in terms of good news stories, Ecuador in 2008, really interestingly, was the first country in the world to recognize the rights of nature in its constitution. And, and I think a lot of people forget as well that the Galapagos Islands, you know, essentially they're, they're miles away from thousands of miles away from Ecuador. But they are, they do still belong to Ecuador. So it definitely has a little bit like Costa Rica, I guess, regionally. It definitely has this, um, you know, this, uh, this sense, this emotional understanding of its natural resources and, and protecting its, its natural resources, which, you know, is, is great in a, in a more broad, uh, international regional context in which you have a lot of extractionist tendencies, uh, taking place. One which we speak about, obviously, in the, you know, with, with Martin Kellner fairly frequently is about yeah. the Amazon and extraction is there and so on. So it's great that, you know, we can actually report on uh, some checks and balances actually working somewhere regionally in, in, in this case, in Ecuador. And speaking of Ecuador and uh, bringing it back to football for our talk sport listeners, a decent international break for, for Ecuador um, in World Cup qualifying. A few wins, a draw. Uh, how does that affect the overall picture for the 2022 World Cup? Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. So regionally, there's the Comebol, which is the, the South America, and there's the CONCACAF. Um, uh, Comebol is the uh, Brazil-Argentina qualified. Ecuador, you know, as good as done it, have, have actually uh, qualified as well. And then you've got a number of other countries that are in the mix for the fourth place. The way the Comebol works is you've got 10 teams 
they play off uh, home and away in the top four, go through, and then there's a uh, there's a, a playoff of the fifth that normally plays off against uh, an Australasian uh, Oceanic side. But then you've got the likes of Colombia, Chile, Peru, uh, Uruguay, and so on that that are vying for that for that fourth place. Really interestingly, the um, the big news at the moment here is that. Uh, the Uruguayan coach, uh, Oscar Tavares, who is 74 years old and has been coaching Uruguay for the last 15 years, has been sacked for, uh, on the, uh, just as a result of these, uh, these recent elections, uh, these recent results, having lost 3-0 to, to Bolivia. It's likely that Uruguay, still with their, pe- with their pedigree and the fact that they're still in the mix, will go through, but that's the, the big news, uh, regionally. And then the CONCACAF, the, uh, the Central, um, American, uh, Caribbean and, and North American Federation is so confusing, it's yeah. really difficult to, to, to explain. But basically, you can assume that the Mexico, Mexico, the USA, and one of Costa Rica, Jamaica, Honduras, and some other random uh, non-footballing country are going to play off over the course of the next uh, couple of months. And the top three of those, plus one, uh, then then go through. So almost certainly Mexico, the USA, and then the other two, you know, who knows who who it is that's going to be going through there. I've adopted Barbados as my um, CONCACAF country of choice when it comes to that neck of the woods, because I love going on holiday there, and I think it's a lovely island, but I dare say... Good luck with that. Exactly. I'll be waiting a long, long time before they do uh, a reggae boys job, as Jamaica did in 1998, (laughs) qualify for a World Cup. I think I'll be waiting a little while yet. But John Bonfilio, our man in Mexico, thank you for joining us on Talk Sport and Talk Radio this morning.